Thank you. Yeah. I had. I had sent through some slides, and hopefully, um, we'll be able to see them shortly. While they are getting that together, I want to express my profound um, appreciation to the pastor and his dear wife for allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you in terms of inviting me to be here. This is a significant honor. And I thank you very much. Very, very much. Um, <clears throat> I had spoken, Reverend Al Grant, is he here? He's just sitting there. Okay. I had mentioned when I, in previous sessions about a man God used to touch my life who had his first vacation Bible school in the country in which I was born. And after my second day in vacation Bible school, he said, um, he said, what are you doing? We were in a class. I was 11 years old. He had chosen the church that was there had the first church built in the country that had classrooms for every age group. There's not a church that had that. Churches had sanctuaries. Um, but when he built the church, he built it in such a way that had a large sanctuary, um, a large youth center, and individual classrooms for every age group because his focus was on children. And then he had his first vacation Bible school. That's how they opened the church, vacation Bible school. And there are a few children, after visiting the neighborhood and gathering the children to experience something they had never experienced before, and nobody knew what a vacation Bible school was. After the first day, he got those kids who came in from the neighborhood, and he marched them down the streets singing songs and waving balloons and giving out flyers of invitation. Then he marched them back in the, into the church, and I was one of the persons who got marched back. I was just curious to see what all these kids were, were so happy about. I, I want to show the slides, and after I've shown the slides, I'm going to do exactly what my pastor did. I'm going to ask four persons to be my helpers. Do we have, do we have them? Do we have the slides? Good. Shoot. That's the man, the Reverend um, Herman Smith and his dear wife, who left Anderson, Indiana, and came to Guyana in South America as missionaries. And um, built a church. As a matter of fact, when he came, there was a Church of God building, but it had gone into disrepair. It was dilapidated. Would you show it, please? Next slide. That's what it looked like. And I was one of the boys, little boys. Every afternoon, we'd throw rocks in those windows and watch, <laughs> watch the bats fly out. Because the, the, church, the church building became a, a house of bats. And so every afternoon, we just threw rocks in there and watched the bats fly out. Next slide, please. And he broke that down and built a new sanctuary. Wow. Totally different from what was. With classrooms. And no other church in the country had that type of, of vision or architecture. Next slide, please. That was just one classroom, just one class, one class. Imagine several classrooms with children of different age groups. It's called vision, the first in the country, it's vision. Next slide, please. If you look at the side of the church, you see all those steps coming through, and each step leads you to a different classroom. So the kindergartens knew exactly which step would lead to their classroom, and the juniors knew exactly which steps would lead to their classroom, and the and other age groups knew exactly what steps to use to go to their classroom. And at the end of that building was a large recreational hall. Vision. Next slide, please. I was 11 years old when he said, come and be my helper. And I became his helper. I became his helper. 
And then I was 11 years, 11 and a half, when I said to him one day in the middle of the sanctuary, I said, you know, I've learned all the songs, I've, I've learned verses, and I believe, I believe that I can teach a class. And he says, what did you say? I'm 11 and a half. I'm 11 and a half. He says, what did you say? And I said, I think I've, I've been to Vic VBS. I've learned all the songs. I've learned the scriptures. I believe I can teach a class. After all, I know something that they don't know. That, that was my first class. And I was so energized with my first class because these kids had school clothes that come to Sunday school. And I thought about what about the other kids who don't have school clothes, who can't come to Sunday school. So I went in the yards where they lived and gathered them together. Next slide, please. They came to Sunday school right where they lived. Some kids didn't even have on pants. But they were gathered for Sunday school right where they lived to hear the word of God. And if you look very carefully, you probably can't see it, but I'm standing right at the back. So that's my class. So I had a class in the church for those who had church clothes, and I had a church outside of the church in the big yards for those who didn't have church clothes. They were hearing the message. Next slide, please. That's when I went to college and came back and became their pastor. And how could that missionary have known that that little boy whom he said, come and be my helper, would one day come back and be the pastor of that church? Be the pastor of two churches at the same time in the same city. Next slide, please. Those are two teenagers who were in leadership. One who was holding her hands up would lead the worship, and the other one was one of the speakers. He trained leaders. He trained leaders. Next slide, please. Next slide. Do we have it? Do I have any more? Okay. There's another one. We didn't come. That particular slide, which didn't come, was Philadelphia, where we had a large group of children who would help, who would help me in the VBS. And I had taken them right with the pictures there, and there's a ship right behind it. I took them on their first cruise. They had been 99 years old and still remember that the bishop took them on their first cruise. And some of them were six and seven years old who helped in VBS. The big question is, why did that man's first question to me have such an impact? I missed something. The second day after I became his helper, I had a fight right in the classroom. <laughs> a boy walked in my foot. I didn't have on shoes. A boy who had on shoes walked in my foot, and I said to him, pick up the thing you just walked on. And a fight broke out. <laughs> and from that time to now, I've convinced, I've tried to convince folks. Pardon me? Oh, you have it. There it is. We're going on our first cruise. They were my helpers in VBS. And I rewarded them by taking them on, a, on their first cruise. They'll never forget it. Thank you very much. There's one slide that I didn't send. I forgot to send it. And that was my first bench. When I said to him, I can teach a class. And he said, okay, that's your first, that's your bench, your pew. We didn't call it pews in those days. We called it bench. It says, bring the kids and teach them. And I have a picture of that. I went back many, many years later and we were able to find a picture of that bench, my first bench. But, but why did the pastor's invitation to me, an 11-year-old boy, have such an impact on my life? It changed my life. It changed my trajectory. He changed my future, as it were. I began teaching there at age 11 and a half and ended up teaching at the university. Now I'm sharing with Dr. Maxwell and teaching people around the world. Why did the pastors 
first question, what are you doing? I'm finished. Well, if you're finished, come and be my helper. Why did that such, have such an impact on my life? A life-changing impact on my life. Why? Why was that responsible for so much of what I have become? Do you really want to get the answer to that question? Yes. Is that important to you to get the answer to that yes. question? I need four helpers. Could I have four persons to help me? That's three. Four. Thank you. Four. I'd like you to come right up here. I'd like you to stand here. One of you stand there. I'm going to take something out of my pocket. I'd like you to hold this. Let me see if I can unravel this. Very important to me. Could you hold that in, please? Could you hold that in, please? Right to the end. Okay. So you stand right there. You stand right there. Could I bore you down here? You can lose. You can lose it. If you take that end, please. Okay, and then we're going to go down here. Uh, oh, I'll be right there. If you go right up, go right up, up. No, take your position, but go up, 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 up. Okay, now that's her. No, you're down here. <laughs> you stand right there. You're there? Okay. So, could you lose that, please? And you hold that? end and you'll be down here and you hold this end so you know where you're standing you know where you're standing you know where you're standing and you know where you're standing that's 15 feet by 15 feet that's the whole house in which I was born and grew up the whole house 15 feet by 15 feet Furniture, we had one bed, one table, and four chairs. Total furniture. Just seven of us. It was... It was seven. It was seven of us living within that space. One, one bedroom for parents. One table of four chairs. And we, the children, slept on the floor. We never slept in our parents' bed. We slept on the floor. If you have dinner with one table and four chairs, the other folks ate on the floor. There were many days when my lunch was a cup of cold water and a teaspoon of sugar for lunch. Why would that pastor's invitation for me to be his helper, why did that mean that much? It was transforming. It gave me a new picture of myself and my possibilities. I went home that day saying, I'm the pastor's helper. I am, for the first time in my life, somebody. For the first time in my life, I felt I was somebody. You see, every text has a context. If you don't understand the context, you can't preach the text correctly. And every life has a context. And to understand the life and the journey, you have to get a sense of the context. I know where God brought me from. My, my brothers didn't have that opportunity. They spent their lives based on the paradigm 
in which they grew up. They spent their lives, all of their lives, living within the paradigm of how, where they grew up and the mindset of how they grew up. And their brains control them. Never had a chance to have someone impact their minds with a new vision. At the age 11, my pastor gave me a new vision for my mind. I am somebody. Two children went to Harvard on scholarships. A pastor took the time to invest in children. And he, being dead, yet speaks. Thank you very much. Please, please keep that for me. He being dead still speaks. When you take the time to invest in children, you get a chance to impact their minds before the brains of their culture take over. I'd like to appeal to you. I'd like to appeal to you. Invest in children. Because by doing that, you're saving a generation who will call you blessed. Blessed. I lived in that little space for 14 years. Till my mother got upset. But all I'm thinking about is church and church and church. How can I not think about church when a pastor gave me a new vision of myself? I was 14 when she threw me out and pulled my stuff out and said, go and live at the church one Sunday morning. Go and live at the church. It was one of the best things she did for me apart from giving me life. It is one of the best things. Being kicked out of my home at age 14 is one of the best things she did for me having given me life. Because she gave me a future. And a direction. And a hope. I could never have become who I am. And for the price I paid for my journey. I got a beating every Sunday night for going to church. I got cuffs in my face Sunday evenings for having gone to church. I've had now five surgeries in my eye for the cuffs I got in my face for having gone to church of God of all places. In a British country, the national church is the Anglican church, the Church of England, Episcopal. The Episcopalians and the Catholics, they, had the big, they were the big churches. They were the ones who had schools and jobs. And my mother felt Church of God is one of those little churches. They have no schools and no jobs. She said, you will never get an education. Church of God has nothing to offer you. I have received an education. I consider myself an educated person. And when my mother got older, it was my wife and I who had to take her in and take care of her until she died. Until she died. There are three words I never heard from my mother or my father. Three words. I never heard them say, I love you. Never. Never. But my pastor's wife called me, honey. She kept calling me honey until a few years ago when she died. You need to speak into the lives of children. Yes. They will rise up and call you blessed. If I were to sit down right now and take my seat, have you gotten the message? If I were to sit right now, would you have gotten the message? Yes. 
those are the kids that I took who helped me in VBS, and I took them on a cruise, their first cruise. Each of them has a copy of that picture. They will show their great-grandchildren. Their great-grandchildren. That's why investing in God's kingdom is so important. Putting your resources in God's house and making a vision possible is so important because it will, it will accomplish something. And when you are dead, it will still be speaking. My pastor died at an old age. My pastor's wife died at an old age. But they are still speaking through me. Yes. And everywhere I go and all the countries I go to, they're speaking through me. I had, an experience, I had an experience in Uganda. My friend, Dr. Ernie Wilson, Philadelphia, and I were invited to, by the, by, the, by, the church, by the church in Uganda, to speak for the major convention. There were like 5,000 people um, from all of East Africa, the East African Revival Convention. And we were the two American speakers. And um, it was in June, the days of Idi Amin, if you've heard of Idi Amin the most brutal African leader. And while we were ministering, someone came to our host and said, Idi Amin has just declared martial law and that soldiers have been dispatched to come to the convention to capture the two Americans. Our host said, we were in the process of doing a presentation. He says, Get your stuff. He rushed me to his house to get my luggage. He, mine, Ernie Wilson, pack up everything. You've got to get you out of the country right now. You've got to get you out of the country. Even we went through the bushes to get to the airport, to get out of the country. Sometimes through the bushes, we'll have to cross the street and we'll see uh, military, military vehicles passing. We'll wait until a military vehicle passed, and then we drive across the street to get into the bushes again, because we're heading to the airport. Can you hear me? Yes. We got to the airport, and the airport was surrounded by the military. Soldiers, guns and bayonets. We got into the airport, it was crowded. Everybody's trying to get out, and everyone was told, airplane has left because they didn't want to stay. They want to get out before the military stops them. So we're told the last airplane is left. Folks are crying, trying to, hoping to get out of the country. The last airplane had left. Hundreds of people there in the airport. I'm standing there with my friend, Dr. Wilson. And I looked over there and I saw a very tall, six-foot soldier with his gun and his bayonet. And I said to myself, my friend, Dr. Wilson, don't look now, don't look now, but I think that soldier's looking in our direction. Don't look. Then after a while, the soldier began to move closer to us, and I said, don't look, don't look. And then he came, as a matter of fact, while we were in the conference, sometimes you'll be ministering, and somebody will be touched by the Holy Spirit, and the sink shout out, a song, took a tender song, which means praise the Lord for Jesus. It was their way of thanking God for whatever was being said. And so several times during a presentation, you'll have someone getting up and took a tender song and praising God for what is being said. Took a tender song and praise the Lord for Jesus. And we were, I was standing there and I said to Dr. Wilson, don't look at that, that soldier's coming close to where we are. He came closer, and he passed us, and I said, but I knew, I sensed, he didn't just pass us, but now that he passes, he had turned around, and he's now standing behind us. And then suddenly, he grabbed my arm, and he pushed me forward, and Dr. Wilson was pushed forward, so now I knew he had both of us. And he began pushing us, pushing us, through the crowd, passing the other soldiers, pushing us through the crowd. He passes, 
by the, the, the ticket counter. He didn't stop. He kept pushing us. He pushed us outside of the airport and on the runway. And he's pushing us. I'm saying, God, protect us. Protect us. Protect us. Protect us. And then after long distance, no planes around, he turned around, turned us around, and we could see in the distance a plane, an airplane. I said, it's got to be a military, military plane because all the other airplanes have left. They've all left. He's putting us in a military plane to take us to Idi Amin. He brought us right to the step of the plane. And as we, he pushed us up, he pushed us up, up the steps. And as we were going up the steps, he said, took a tender raisin. <laughs> and I said, I, I turned around, I said, he's a believer. There was no one there. I looked at the distance we had come. There was no one there. It was an angel with a gun and a bayonet that God sent to deliver us and to push us through where all the other military persons are with their guns and their bayonets to bring us to safety. I got back to New York, traveled to Philadelphia, began to tell my wife about what had happened. And then I got a phone call from Uganda, that the Archbishop of the Church of England, with whom I had breakfast two days before, has been captured by the Yemen. He was very angry that the Americans had gotten away, and he killed the Archbishop. If you go right now to Westminster Abbey Church in, in London, you'll see a statue of that Archbishop that Idi Amin killed in anger because we got away. You see, when you have experienced God, no sacrifice is too big. When you know God, no sacrifice. They that know their God, not hear about him. They that know their God should be strong and should do exploits. But you see, I didn't get to know him when I was in Uganda. That's not when I got to know him. I got to know him when my mother began giving me hell as a child for going to the church of God. I got to know him when every Sunday night after church I got a beating. I got to know him then. See, if you, don't, if you don't get to him then, you can't know him when the big time comes. It's then you have to realize, will he slay me yet? Will I trust him? Yet will I trust him? My mother was so, con so convinced that I would be a, a religious fool because God had no schools. How are you going to get an education? You had to be a part of the big churches. Big churches had schools, Roman Catholics had schools, Church of England, Anglican had schools. What did Church of God have? Church of God had that building that used to have the bats. <laughs> because all the years it was Church of God until that particular American missionary came. So, what you're going to get? Nothing. Today, my wife and I have more than we deserve. The blessings of God. The blessings of God. I want to appeal to you. Take, please, take God seriously. Please take God seriously. Don't hold back from any sacrifice. God asks you to make. The righteous will never be forsaken. Not just the righteous. When I do what is right for God, it is not just the righteous. Neither will his seed beg for bread. Two of our children that scholarships for Harvard 
Neither will their seed beg for bread. Take God seriously. Make sacrifices for God. Because he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all, not just some. My friend, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above, not only all for you, but he can do it for your kids. You can do it for your grandkids. You're investing in them as well. When you invest in this church, you're not just investing in this church, in this pastor. You're investing in your future. In your future. I'm going to preach, but let me stop for a moment. Because you see, as a teacher, it is not important what I say. I taught at a university in a graduate school. It is not as important as what, what I say. What I say is not as important. What is important is what you heard and understand. Because you see, it is not the lectures I give at the university. It's what you write when your test comes. There's such a thing called exams. Yes. And you don't, get, you don't pass exams for attendance. <laughs> Am I right? You don't say, well, I came to class every, all, every class day, every semester. You don't, get a, you, don't get, you don't pass for attendance. You pass for what you've captured. What you've captured. What you, what, you, what you wrote in your notes, that's when you go back and you rehearse what you captured. So let me pause and ask a question. And I'd like you to answer me in one single sentence. Not a paragraph. What have you captured this weekend? The ministry God has sent through me, the ministry God has sent through um, the Bishop Thompson. What have you captured? You've invested time here, but what have you captured? What impact will this weekend make on you? What have you captured, not just in your brain, but in your mind? That when this weekend is finished, you can say, I have been impacted. I will have a new behavior. I will have a new mindset. I will have a new way of thinking. Anybody, one sentence, please. Anyone? Just raise your hand and I'll. One sentence. You have your hand up. What impacted me was um, the children. The children. The children. The greatest thing was the children. Go get the children. Yes. Go get the children. See, if you go and get, if you go and get simply the adults, you see, you have to understand this whole thing of God's economics. God's economics. See, we think, well, I can get more adults, I get more offerings, and the church can do more. True. But if you invest in the children, the church can do more longer. The church can do more longer. Longer. The church will have a future longer because we invested. I was 11, and the church is still having a future in terms of my the investment made in me. Are you there? Yes. Anyone else? Put your hand up so you can come. What have you captured? Yeah, the mic. And then. After a few minutes, I'm going to invite Bishop Thompson so he and I can answer whatever questions you have. I guess what I'd say is I'm already among those that I'm supposed to reach. Yes, yes. Yes, a man among those. Now you have to build a wall. Excellent, excellent. Let's look for a man among those. Among them. Anyone else? Excellent. See, because if you can, you know what you've captured, then our being here has not been in vain. I would say what Apostle said, the children, because I've had a vision of our reaching the t- children, and it just has motivated me more to be. Could you come right up, please? Mm-hmm. 
um, at 11, age 11 and a half, I told my pastor that I feel I, I've learned enough scriptures in vacation Bible school, enough songs that I can now teach a class. And he said, okay, this is your first, they called a bench in those days. This is your first bench. Bring the kids and teach them. Then I had a second bench. And then I didn't only have a bench in the church. I went outside in a neighborhood for kids who didn't have church clothes and met with them. What do you think the Lord wants you to do in terms of your interest in children? Um, I would teach the children love. How would you go about pulling them together? You don't know would, yet. I just, yeah, I had a vision. I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but I wasn't moving on it. Okay. And this leadership conference has caused me to move, get up and do what you're called And you see, do. you will never find the answers in terms of the how and the where until you make the decision it. to move. Right, I gotta go do it. Let me, let me, let me, let me show you something. One minute. In Exodus, in Genesis chapter 11, God called Abraham's father to leave where he was and to go to the land of Canaan. That's Abraham's father. Pick up everything you have, go from here to the land of Canaan. He picked up everything he had, but he, he parked halfway. He never followed through in God's instructions. He yes. parked halfway yes. and died there. Yes. Look at Exodus, Genesis chapter 11. The last verse is verse 31. He died where he parked. Chapter 12, since Abraham's father didn't follow through, God now calls Abraham and give him the same assignment. Am I right? You're the scholar. Are you the, come right you, He's the scholar. Come, come, come. And God now gives Abraham the identical assignment he gave to his father. Talk about that. Very important. So many of us, God has already spoken to, but we've parked. When um, in Acts chapter 7, of course, this happens in, in Genesis chapter 12, but in Acts chapter 7, uh, Stephen's defense began the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham. Mm -hmm when he was in Mesopotamia, mm -hmm. before he dwelt in Haran. Mm -hmm. And so in Haran is where his dad stopped mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. His and dad died. stopped there and died. But then the Lord said to Abram, get up and go to a land that I will show you. And he just followed the preceding word of God until he got to the place. And the Lord said, you're there. Look north, look south, look east, look west. Look west. I'm going to give this to you. Let me ask descendants. you a question. Yes. Is it possible that the vision God had was to Abraham's father when he said, get up and go? And since he got up but didn't go the distance and died there, now God is giving the same vision to Abraham? Is that possible? Yes. 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 I can tell you one thing. If you don't do what God called you to do, you're going to find somebody else. And he, will, and he will leave you parked in the same place. And the vision in you will die. But God is going to pick up somebody else and plant in them the vision that was intended for you. And you will never know what you missed. Since I have him standing, I'm putting him to work. <laughs> what, what, any, anyone else, while you're here, anyone else, what, what one sentence would you give in terms of what you've received here? What I uh, appreciate from you guys this weekend is this, is that you both 
have honored the shoulders that you stand on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and give it the same value as the people that's standing on yours. Mm -hmm. So the people that have pushed you forward mm -hmm. has humbled you and given you grace and mercy to push others yes. as well. So I think I have an issue with honoring the people that I stand on and not mm -hmm. recognizing that mm -hmm. they have, that I'm here because of them. Mm -hmm. And to hear your stories give, gives me more of appreciation of the people that have pushed me here. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? Praise God, everybody. Um, one of the things that I got out of this conference this weekend is that experience. And once you have experience, it's a great thing. You can teach young kids. Because one of the word God said, suffer the little children to come unto me, forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. And raising up children and teaching them, it is for their future, our future. And without them, we don't have a future. That's right. That's correct. That's correct. And, and at any point, you can comment. You know, anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Good. Stand so we can see you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he, he outran me. <laughs> okay. Um, the thing I got um, the most out of this weekend is spiritual vision cannot come through the brain. Um, my brain is my biggest enemy, yeah. and so I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. That's what the Bible says, let this mind yeah. be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. Yes, thank you so much. Anyone else? Put your hand up or stand so we can see you. Anyone else? Take the risk. Okay. <laughs> this is just my first... Um, Day. Today's your birthday? No. Oh, <laughs> Today is my first day oh, okay. here. The first day, I'm sorry. And um, I got confirmation. You told my story. Hmm. Um, that was me that a pastor said to me, go, I hmm. want you to do this. And I did it. And I see now it was a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I'm, I was, I'm just one of, she told me that the generational curses had to stop in me. Mm. And when she said that I was 16 mm. and uh, I had no money and I went to Anderson, she told me to go to Anderson, study social work and um, you'll graduate and you'll study social work. And I, it's 40 years later, mm. I went to Anderson with no money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got a full ride mm. and out of all my aunts and all my family, I was the only one that the generational curse stopped with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you told my story just by listening to someone to tell me to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this curse stopped with me. Yes. Let me make a comment. Hallelujah. In the, in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual realm, money doesn't come to folks who are doing nothing. Mm -hmm. You made the decision to follow through. And the fees were paid. Anyone else? I wasn't gonna say nothing because it's my first day too, but you gave me some help. <laughs> but um, the thing that just stuck out to me just from the small part that I did here was follow what I showed you. And that's mm -hmm. what I heard the Lord say follow what I showed you. Follow. Amen. Amen. Would, would you, and you don't have to, would you, would you feel comfortable sharing anything that God has shown you? Sure, go ahead. Well, amen. Because um, when I was a little girl, the Lord gave me a dream um, for children. And I didn't mm. understand it when I, was a, when I was a little girl. I didn't understand it. But um, now I'm, I'm walking in it now. And I understand even the more of the importance of how God will be with you. Like when you were talking about the airport experience that you had, that, that the angel, mm -hmm. God will send an angel mm -hmm. to come and help get you to and through whatever obstacles. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. regardless mm -hmm. of where you come from, if it was that, that small area that you lived in, mm -hmm. no matter who you are, if God chose you to do it, he's going to give you the power that you need to do it. I run a daycare center right now. And God, just all this, all this right now just got me all overwhelmed right now because this is what we've been talking about in our meetings at church. Children, children, children. Didn't know that we was going to come in here today and hear about, again, children. So I know that if we don't do what Abraham's daddy refused to do, mm -hmm. then we're going to be stuck in a place like Abraham's daddy. Mm -hmm. And I refuse to be stuck like Abraham's daddy. Because you'll die there. Because I heard what he said, mm -hmm. and I'm going to follow through. And I trust that if God got to send me an angel from heaven to push me through to get to where I need to be, because I hear clearly, mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I need divine assistance, he'll send it. Mm -hmm. Bishop Thomas, you want to make any comments on that? You know, as I listened to my sister, I, I, I'm, all while she was talking, I'm thinking about what um, Stephen said about Abram. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He said, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the Lord spoke to Abraham when he was still Abram, while he was in Mesopotamia, would he have moved away from his father mm -hmm. and all of his family? Mm -hmm. So the Lord spoke to Nahor, mm -hmm. his dad, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Nahor said, let's go. And traditionally, in terms of families, the older has more authority than the younger. So the older father moved to Haran and got, took his son with him. And his son already got moving. And once he was moving, he did stop. Sometimes the Lord will motivate you by someone else. And the person that is mo used of God to motivate you is not the one who really God wants. It's the son that's kind of maybe won't go without his father pulling him. And, and the other comment I'd like to make, the other comment, you saw the slides of all the children in that classroom. That was just one classroom. There were several classrooms of different age groups. So the church had a lot of children. But when I said to the pastor at age 11 and a half that I feel God is leading to teach a class, he didn't say, okay, let's remove one of the teachers and put you in there. Or let's get some of those kids in, the, in Sunday school to be in your class. He, said, he, said, he says, go and get the kids and bring them. He gave me, he didn't give me kids. He gave me a bench, an empty bench. Now, there were so many kids in that church. There were kids in every classroom. Didn't give me any kids. He gave me an empty bench for me to prove whether I was serious or not. I had to go to the neighborhood. I went to the neighborhood, not to the classrooms. He didn't remove any teachers to put me in. I went to the neighborhood and got my kids and brought them in. <laughs> I have always seen that as a mark of wisdom on the part of my pastor. Because most of us will feel, I'm so anointed, I don't see why the pastor doesn't give me some of these folks to preach to. <laughs> give me a Sunday morning. I feel so anointed. Bring the folks. Bring the kids. And teach them. He gave me an empty bench. Then after a while, I went back to him for a second bench. And I've been getting benches since then. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Questions? Any questions or comments? Quick, 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 quick. In the interest of time. Anybody? Okay. No questions. 
or are satisfied. Um, Pastor Thompson, why don't you wrap up? Pardon me? Did I say a hand? No, someone who hasn't spoken before. Okay. And do you have that thing? Thank you very much. Just a comment, Bishop Branham. Yes, sir. Last Sunday, I was at a church that you might be better familiar with. Uh, before, just a couple of years ago, I never heard of the Church of God. Mm. And actually had no idea that this church was a part of the Church of God. Last Sunday, I was where your missionary pastor was launched from. My missionary and, pastor? In Anderson, Indiana. Yes. 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 Wow. Park Place Church of God. Wow. Isn't that something? Wow. I came here for a vision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this was in existence until David sent out an email on Thursday. Wow. Thank you. That's wow. Small world. That's the church that commissioned my pastor and his wife and helped to finance their ministry overseas. So that it is not the pastor and my wife alone who's still speaking. Park Place Church of God is still speaking. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Bishop Thompson. It's so important for you to recognize there's an old expression and and Milton has heard it just like I've heard it. God does one thing to do another. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Come on, say it with me. God, God does, does one thing, thing to do another. another. Sometimes the, th the one thing that God does is not really what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. He gets the one thing started mm -hmm. to do the thing he really wants done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I think about the story of Esther. Mm with her uncle, Mordecai, who pushed her into a beauty pageant, and she won. Mm. Uh, my sense is that God pushed Mordecai mm. to push his niece, mm. and she won, and she became the queen. queen. And when the people of Israel were threatened with extinction, Mordecai then went to Esther and said, you've got to go before your husband, the king. He did not know that now that she was in the kingdom, she found out that no one could go before the king if they're not summoned by him. She said, I can't go. I mean, if he calls me, I'll be there. I mean, I'm his wife, but, but if I go and he doesn't point his scepter toward me, I can die. And Mordecai said to her, if you all together hold your peace, mm. then deliverance will have to come to us from someone else. In other words, he was so confident. If you don't do it, I mean, you're the obvious person. But if you don't do it, God will have to raise somebody else up. And a lot of us may die in the meantime. And then he said these words, but how do you not know that you have come to royal position just for such a time as this? And what it says to you and me is that you don't know that where you are is why you are there. Sometimes we think where we are, the Lord just blessed me, but you need to ask, why am I there? Why am I? Who, how did I get here? How did this door get opened? It may very well be that God did one, did one thing to do another, to bring you to a place where you've come to the kingdom, to a place a royal position, authority, just for such a time as this. As this. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Did you have your hand up? Did you have your hand up? Okay. You just received it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> We're gonna pray. Yes. We're gonna pray.
I would like you to begin talking to the Lord about what you've experienced and what he's saying to you. And some of you may need to write a note to the pastor, just share what you sense the Spirit of God is sharing. And how God will expand the ministry of this church and the impact of this church. Not what you're hearing in your mind, in your, not what you're hearing in your, in your brain, what you're seeing through the eyes of your mind and your spirit. Almighty God, we praise and we thank you for this opportunity you've given to us to allow you to use us here. It is not by might, nor by power, nor by education, nor by position, but it's all by your spirit. Yes. You have brought us here and we have sought to allow you the freedom to use us and to bless us to be a blessing. You've touched our minds and our spirits so that we can share and through your hand touching other people. We visualize great things emerging from this congregation. Bigger things that the average person can even imagine. That many of us will find our place and do what you called us to do. We begin, we begin praying by lifting up the hand of the servants of God that he has placed here to give you leadership. Open our eyes to our opportunities. To the empty benches that are waiting. To the children, to the adults, to the work, people in the workplace and people in our families and people in our neighborhoods who will be touched by our anointing and our courage. Let your Holy Spirit speak through us and work through us and manifest himself, oh God, through all of us. That we would know that we've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us minds and hearts that are sensitive to what you say. In the name of Jesus. And Father God, we, the pastor and your dear wife, you've been prayed for before. We thank you for allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you to invite us to be here. We know that our coming here is in your will and that you have, you're doing some bigger things than we can even see or imagine. We ask that the anointing of God will be so profound and visible on your lives. That everyone interacts with you will sense it and see it. And we pray for your team. The persons who are serving with you in different aspects of leadership. Yes. That you'll raise them up, oh God. Yes. Paul planting, Apollos watering, and God, you giving the increase. That you would raise up a team of persons of sensitivity of spirit, of personal commitment that they will capture what you have in mind yes. and make themselves available as your left hand and your right hand. Make the team strong. Make the team strong yes. with different responsibilities for different ministries. And may there be an explosion of that vision that everyone will see and recognize that you have both been with Jesus.
Thank you, Father. Bishop. Father, we just agree and thank you for the privilege of the laying on of hands. Thank you that vision and authority, power and anointing is transformed, transferred through the laying on of our hands. We count it a privilege to be connected to these choice servants over this house. And Father, we know down deep, even as they do down deep, that they've only just begun. Just begun. Just begun. We're looking forward to being a part of seeing mm-hmm. where you will take them. Yes, Jesus. What you will do with yes, them. Yes, Jesus. And to their children, both physical and spiritual. Thank you for the foundation that was laid by this mother and now her son and his wife. We bless what you're doing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For our connection. To be here with them. Yes, Jesus. For such a time as this. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.